All right. Hello and welcome just to family. This is giving you something to talk about or just a live TV as I like to call it. I'm your host, Melissa Kretschler. Today we're going to be talking about normalizing mental health conversations. And our sponsor for today is a Phoenix Identity. If you are feeling emotionally unstable um, and are you feeling like your mental health is just not where you want it to be or if it's extreme check out the embrace your positivity intro to the rockstar method the rockstar method is a uh, methodology that will help you take control of your emotions bring you back to the moment and help you process what it is that you're feeling and how to make sure that you don't feel that way again so go and check that out um, that is their bread and butter go and check them out uh, I'm going to hand it over to my guest speaker to introduce herself. Julie, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. I'm Julie McLean, and I am a suicide survivor. And I'm here to talk about why it's so important to talk about your mental illness and your mental health. Yeah. Um, so you and I were talking, and I'm just going to pull it up because, of course, I don't have it in front of me. I've had a day today, and we were talking about that before we started. You you know, you've been feeling under the weather. Yep. Um, I'm, you know, first world problems. I started a, I'm starting a new business and there's issues with the email already. So obviously, you know, I'm a little flustered on that, but minor things, but those minor things can become quite larger, right? Now Absolutely. I will tell everybody that I am an emotional and mental health expert because I get it. I, you can give me any scenario and I will understand how it feels. I will tell you how you feel and it, all of it. Right. So what ends up happening is as we go through life, we're not taught how to process. We are not taught how to process emotional health and well-being. And part of, and once, once we start getting, you know, older, even when we're young, Kids have it hard. And I'm going to tell you this, anybody watching or catching the replay, I'm going to tell you this. Children have a very hard time. And we as adults for, forget just how hard that time is. When yes. we're born, we're trying to figure everything out. And part of trying to figure everything out is figuring out who we are, figuring out friendships, figuring out relationships. You know, as adults, we're like, oh, you'll figure it out or you'll understand when you're my age. We were not taught how to cope. We're not taught how to process from a very young age. And it gets worse and worse and worse as we grow older until we have no choice but to process or we get to where we feel suicidal, depressed, anxiety, PTSD, all of these things we don't know how to process. Right. So one of the things you and I wanted to make clear on this episode is that we need to do better and be better in creating a safe space for mental health discussions. Absolutely. And going back to what you had said, I was 16 when I found myself on a dark street with a broken bottle held to my wrist, ready to take my own life. 16. I had my whole life ahead of me. And at that point in time, I felt like I had nothing to live for. Fortunately, it was the moment that I actually broke, I took a breath and said, wait a second, what am I doing? And thought about my family and what it would do to them. And I didn't. And that's why I say I'm a suicide survivor. And it's not the only time. My son was three 
when I came really close to taking my own life. Mm-hmm. I, and it's just because I didn't know how to deal with life. And it's, it's funny because 2019 was the last time I had struggled with my mental health and was in crisis. And I always say my husband saved my life because he was the one who didn't have a problem saying, hey, are you okay? So many people think that if you ask somebody if they're okay and they say, oh yeah, sure, I'm fine, no problem. That, okay, that's a done deal. But if somebody is out there and they're totally different from what they usually are, my husband knows my big trigger is crying. I, if I start crying, I don't stop. And I came home bawling the, that day. And he turned around to, and I turned around to him and I said, I'm leaving you. I figured it was easier to tell him that I was just going to walk out of his life and then it wouldn't be so bad. And he didn't take that for an answer. So, you know, then he asked me if I wanted to hurt myself. And that's another thing that people think that if you ask somebody if they want to hurt themselves, then they're going to go hurt themselves or if it plants something in their mind to do that. It's already there. Mm-hmm. I, I think about it every single day. It, it's just a problem that I have. Mm-hmm. Every single day, I think about not being on this earth. Yeah. And then the most important question my husband asked me was, do I have a plan? Because a plan indicates that your thoughts and your feelings and your ideations are imminent. You've planned the whole thing out. And I did. I planned the whole thing out. And when I told him I had a plan, he never left my side after that. As much as I wanted to leave, he wouldn't let me leave. And he got me help. And for the first three days after I was in an intensive, and I mean intensive, (laughs) therapy group. I didn't look at anybody for three days. I didn't talk to anybody for three days. I was so out of it. My my bangs were long, so they hung in in my face. I looked at the floor. I didn't talk to anybody. Nobody knew what I looked like. I didn't know what anybody else looked like, but I did listen. And I listened to all these people from all different walks of life talking about their mental health and that was something so new to me because it was so taboo for all these years you didn't talk about your mental health and so I finally spoke up and I finally told my story and I actually felt better when I told it because I got such support from the people around me and it really let me know that I wasn't alone in all of this. I had other people around me who knew what I felt like. They didn't know exactly what I felt like because nobody can know exactly how somebody else feels, but they felt something similar. And it was so refreshing to feel like you weren't alone. And that's when I realized, you know, we have to get rid of the stigma. If we start talking about mental health and mental illness, like it was a casual conversation, like how's the weather? We will reduce suicide naturally because those of us who get to that point will turn around and find somebody or find a way 
to tell people, hey, I need somebody. I need support. So for anybody watching live or, or catching the replay, comment and let us know what you think of this conversation. Um, one of the things I'd ask everybody is, do you know why mental health conversations are such a taboo in the first place? The reason why we hold mental health at a standstill and away from us is because generations past, it was if you showed any signs of mental illness or mental health issues, you were committed. You were sent to an asylum. They would do lobotomies. They would do electrocution. They So many nasty horror stories that we have from past generations of what it meant to have a mental health illness or issue. And so today we're still living with that fear. Absolutely. My best friend worked in um, what they call the psych ward here. Um, and, you know, those people are just misunderstood. It was, it's not like that, right? It's, it's a protection. It's not a fun place to be. It's not a fun <laughs> place to be, but no. at the same time, if you are being committed is, is if you're a danger to yourself or you're a danger to others. Yeah. And honestly, if you're in a place where you are a danger to yourself or, an other, or others, I would rather be protected in that space mm. and, and have everybody else protected for me in that space because it's, it's, you know, and then start that process to healing. Now, I don't agree with a lot in the mental health system. I think that it's outdated uh, going back. I think that we're not where we're supposed to be. We're still not teaching people cope, coping techniques. I love that you pointed out that, that your husband asked you if you had a plan. Yep. A majority of people who are ready to commit suicide um, will you won't know. You have no indication. You have no idea. They no. do not talk about it. It is not something that they bring up. Um, it, they just do it. I had a 19 year old nephew mm -hmm. who was a firefighter who was out fighting a fire. As a matter of fact, he was on a hose line with my son because they were both firefighters at the time. And after the fire, they went all went back to the firehouse. He did not stay for the debrief. And that night, my sister and his brother found him. He had taken his own life. Mm -hmm. No rhyme or reason to it. Yep. He, he, this, this kid was the smartest kid I knew. He was the most talented kid I knew. He was the most popular kid I knew, uh, which was evident from his funeral because his funeral was just, I can't even describe it. It was so many people and so overwhelming. I, I, he just didn't think that anybody cared. Yep. And but somebody always cares. Always. Not, not having the conversations, not having the coping skills or the techniques, not having um, the outlets or the, the knowledge of the support systems that they do have. That's what leads to that. That's what creates right. that. When you are in a place, and I'm sure you can speak on this yourself, when you're in a place where you are contemplating suicide, and there's a lot of shame in there. There's a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of, I, you know, they're better off without me. You're not thinking about how everybody else feels. Yep. You're thinking about how you feel and what's best for you, but covering it up with they're better off without me. Right. right? Um, and it, do it doesn't make you selfish to do that though. Cause I know a lot of people think that people who take their own lives were selfish. No, but they need to be selfish. I thought that for right. a long, oh, I was angry. I was so mad 
at at the thought of anybody. And and this was before I I truly understood and before my journey started. I had an acquaintance who committed suicide and I was very angry with her because she left her 13-year-old son. I at that time had a had a 13-year-old son um and I was livid, right? And I was angry with her. And go fast forwarding a medium, so I did converse with her later and understood, but um at that time I was very angry and I thought it was the coward's way out and anybody like how selfish can you be to do that? Look at the people you're leaving behind. But on the same hand, now that I sit here, I started coaching when Chris Cornell and Chester Bedingfield committed suicide. Since then you've had Robin Williams, you've had Kate Spade. um, You've had a a plethora. Anthony Bourdain, Twitch. Those were the ones that, Chester affected me too. (sighs) Um, And I started coaching at that time. And the reason that I started coaching at that time was because I understood what brought them there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, My um, not favorite clients, but my clients are usually people, really high profile individuals who don't know who they are anymore. And when you're in a position where you're, I am, I'm going to make this whole episode, uh, if I don't stop, about helping heal mental health, but that's not what we're talking about. So I'm going to backtrack and and bring myself back into focus. Normalizing mental health conversations. I was talking to somebody else right before um, we went live and uh, she had said she does like every Friday, she goes uh, live on Instagram and says, how are you? And she said she would post that. Like if you, if you go out in public and you say, hi, how are you doing? Right. And people are like, oh, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm good. I'm whatever. Right. We're, we're not fucking fine, but okay. Um, pardon my language. Today's, today's episode is brought to you by cursing Melissa. Um, you tell I'm passionate about it when I start cursing. Um, but when she goes, no, seriously though. Right. And people are like, oh, you actually care. Right. We so easily say, hey, Julie, how are you doing? Oh, fine. Yeah. And then we just continue the conversation. Right. Right. And instead go, you know, and if you know somebody and you really know somebody or even if you're an empath, if you know somebody and their behaviors and you ask them how they're doing, and they say, oh, I'm fine. Go, really though? Like how, like everything's good, nothing, like the kids are good and your partner's good or whatever, right? Just dig a little deeper. Uh, yeah. You know when somebody is not fine, especially if you know that person personally, because people have habits. They do things all the time. And, and I'll just refer back to me when I had my crisis. I was one of those people that, I would do everything for everybody and it just got so overwhelming. I felt so down and I'd, I'd walk into a room and I'd go, hi, I'm here. You know, so when you find somebody who is very engaging, who likes to be with people and then all of a sudden they don't, or you have a friend who starts canceling your meetups together or your spouse who's canceling appointments or anything like that, 
or somebody who's just shutting themselves in. That's what I started doing is I started canceling all my appointments. I started not going out. I just wanted to stay home. I didn't want to go anywhere. It was a big chore to go out and it would just played on me. And you have to be able to not take yes for an answer when you're asking that person. Unless you're like me, um, that is my standard. I don't like to go out. I'm constantly um, rescheduling and I'm horrible for that. Um, But that's just because I know myself. I like my, and I like to be by myself in my bubble and screw everybody else. But (laughs) that's, that's me. Um, But I do know that for my, for my health and well-being, I do like today, I wanted to, I went and dropped my girls off. I'm on my way home and I'm like, I don't want to go home today. I just, I thought about going to my husband's work and just chilling with him until my first client and, you know, just doing whatever, but talking about your mental health. Now let's put suicide away for a second and just talk about everyday mental health, right? The only person who is going to, and and I'm going to take myself out of this equation because I will, I could tell you what your mental health is immediately, but most people, the only person who's going to know the truest version of yourself is yourself. Your, your relationship with you is the most important. And when we're having any issues or, or anything like that, a lot of women, people pleasers, a lot of men hide their emotions because that that's what they're taught to do. Society has taught us Mm -hmm. in generations past and current to hide everything. Uh, to pre- pretend that everything's okay, to, you know, be the best mother, best wife, best sister, best daughter, uh, put everybody else's yep. needs before your own, and then your mental health struggles. And I am absolutely 100% against that. Um, my family, if you were to call my 12-year-old or sorry, soon to be 14-year-old daughter and say, who is your mom's number one priority? She's going to tell you herself. That's good. Right. Not many people can do that, though. (laughs) I have between bio and step, I have four children and Mm -hmm. I come first. I am my number one priority. My second is my husband. My third, my children. And the reason is my children, I have to teach them how to be self-sufficient and I have to teach them to put themselves first. When my job as full-time mom is done, they move out, they start their own lives. Or that's when you start seeing a lot of mental health challenges. Because people don't put themselves first. Right. So um, divorce, when kids, so empty nest, divorce, uh, retirement, um, you know, becoming a widow or a widower. Um, all of those come with mental health crises. And the reason those come with mental health crises is one, obviously loss. Um, mm-hmm. We have to work through loss no matter what. Grief and loss are a big part of life. Yeah. Um, but the second part of that is throughout the process of being in a career, throughout the process of being in a marriage, throughout the process of being a parent, we lose ourselves to that role or to that title and when that role or title is fulfilled or taken away we don't know who we are anymore right right so that's number one number two is not knowing how to process 
How many people actually know how to process their emotions, their mental health, their struggles, their triumphs? How many people know how to process that? Not many. And not many are willing to say, hey, I don't know how to process this. I need to go see somebody Mm -hmm. because it all comes back to the stigma. And that stigma, like you said, is generational. It's started way back when. It's religion. How many religions, especially back then, were like, well, you have a demon inside of you if you have a mental illness. Culturally, culturally, especially if you're a man, you're a man. That's not cool. You, you know, you can't express your feelings. You know, how many times growing up did people hear real men don't cry? In my version of the world, real men wear pink and real men talk about their feelings. Because mm-hmm. they have to, because if they don't, they're not going to be here for us. Yep. So I challenge anybody. I want you to question yourself and question, you know, think about the people around you. Think of yourself. Yeah. How many people do you know who are holding on to things they haven't processed? Now, take a, take a look internally at yourself and say, what am I holding on to that I haven't processed? And then I want you to just sit for a minute with it and think of how heavy that is. And you know what most people will find out that they haven't processed is their negative self-talk. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, that's not me. Oh, I grew up this way and I can't change that. That's, if you had asked me that three, four years ago, I would have said, no, I can't change any of that. That's garbage. The best book I ever read was Negative Self-Talk and How to Change It. And it's the best thing I've ever done because I learned that from the time we're babies, the first thing we learn is the word no. No, don't touch this. No, don't do that. No, don't go up the stairs. No, don't you know, pick, put that in your mouth. So that all sits there. And that's all negative self-talk building and building and building. And then you don't feel like you can do anything. You don't feel like you can change anything because it's so ingrained in you, this one thing. And it's funny because for a long time, you always heard people talk about the millennials and how they're lazy and they don't do anything. As far as I'm concerned, the millennials have been the best generation so far because they're the ones that learned how to not have to stick with what their parents were doing and learn things on their own and started doing things on their own. And and it broke so many of those norms. And and, and it's great. Mm -hmm. So we need to start breaking those norms. We need to see that we don't have to be our parents. We can learn to be ourselves and we'll be so much better at it if we're ourselves and not our parents. And we'll feel better about ourselves. So normalizing mental health conversations. I want to recap and give a couple pointers on Mm -hmm. how to do that. So 
you have the stigma of mental health and the reason why we shy away from anything mental health related is because of generations past where you know if you showed any signs of having any mental illness or issue you were committed then you fast forward and now you're ridiculed and you're rejected and you're judged and all of these things that society tell us happen with mental health and mental health issues um a couple of the things about creating, you know, normalizing these conversations is learning how to listen. Um, I have a PDF um, called the seven most damaging relationship issues. This is not just for um, romantic relationships. This is for all of them. And it goes through ways to listen. So there are three different ways to listen and majority of them are toxic. Um, there's putting expectations, there's making things about yourself, there's, we've done multiple episodes on suicide and addiction and talking about how when you're in or having a conversation with somebody, that conversation, you need to listen without putting yourself into it, right? Sometimes without judgment. Yeah, without judgment, without rejection, ridicule, just listen. You don't have to agree. You don't, but you don't also don't have to say you disagree, right? You just sit there. Somebody posted on Facebook today. It was literally right before I came in here. Uh, I commented on it and I don't normally comment on things on Facebook, but I did on this one. And it said, what do you do or how do you tell somebody they're wrong? And I'm like, I don't. No. He said, if, if, if Julie and I are sitting here right now looking at each other, and you put the number six in front of me, Julie's going to see a nine, right? Yeah. What you see is different. Our perspectives are all different. It right. does not make them right or wrong, right? I think that's something that we're missing in this world today is realizing that we all have different perspectives yeah. and that's not wrong. Mm -hmm. So I like that. Absolutely. All right. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add before we get going? The one thing I want to say that's so important is start those conversations. Go ahead and pay attention to the people around you. If you're the one who's struggling with your mental health, find that one person that you can trust. And it's easy as just making a list of everybody that you know and going through the list. And the first person on the list might not be the right person. You know, like normally I would put my mom on the list, but my mom is not the right person for me to confide in and talk to about things like this. My husband is. Build up that rapport slowly with them and talk. Don't wait until you're in crisis to say, help me. And if you're seeing somebody don't wait until they're in crisis to say let me help you if you see somebody struggling ask them are they okay and if you know they're not don't take yes for an answer but start these conversations start the conversations with your kids mm -hmm. kids are having such a hard time nowadays i mean it was tough when i was a kid but it's even tougher now yeah. you know bullying runs rampant Bullying is a big trigger for stuff like this, especially for suicide. Bullying in the workplace. If you're bullied in school and bullied in the workplace, it's even worse. And school bullies do grow up to be workplace bullies. Yeah. 
So look at those things around you and be willing to just, if somebody's not right, just turn around and say, can I just sit with you? Don't say anything. Can I just sit with you? Yep. That's Um, it. Tip on bullies for anybody wondering. Bullies are usually people who are having a struggle themselves. Yes. Not always. There are some sociopaths out there. Um, But normally a bully is somebody who is struggling with something in their mental health and their life. Or, Or in their home life. Yep. So make sure that you understand. And again, that's compassion. That's understanding. That's listening without judgment and knowing that just because someone does something doesn't mean the intention is to hurt you. Right. Sometimes they just don't know any better. All right. Um, If anybody would like to connect with either myself or Julie, please do so. Our links are in the description of this episode. Um, Julie owns startthekonvo.net, I believe it is. Yes, Uh, it is. Go and check her out. Start those conversations. Mental health is a huge thing. And I think a lot of it is outdated. A lot of it needs to be updated and we need to change the way we look at the world. Um, follow a Phoenix identity. I have some really amazing methodologies coming out that are going to be life changing when it comes to mental health. Um, I have the smarter method, which is your A to Z, um, everything you need to know to have a happy, healthy mentality. So check that out. Um, the rockstar method is emotional mentality. So again, check out the sponsor. Um, if you want to be a guest speaker on the show, guest blogger, guest sponsor, or if you want to see a type, a topic featured on the show, please make sure that you reach out at justalivetv.com or across our multiple multitude of social media platforms. Uh, Julie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. And thank you for making sure that this is out there. It's so important to change that narrative and make mental health a norm instead of having that stigma associated with it. Absolutely. All right. Um, Again, lots of love, everybody. Start those conversations. Know that mental health is not a stigma. You do not need to be ridiculed or rejected. Um, And for those of you who, you know, know people with mental health struggles, please be kind. Um, and know that they're struggling too. So lots of love, have a wonderful afternoon, morning, or evening, depending on when or where you're watching. I'm your host, Melissa Crutchler. I will see all of you on the next episode. Bye. Bye everybody. Thank you, Melissa. Bye.